What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> ECW World Heavyweight Champion. The ECW. When you want to load down the professional wrestling, come right here to the two-man power trip of wrestling. You'll get all the load down. <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the, on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. It just You said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. but Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's, uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hear me. Fear me. What's going on, guys? This is a 7-foot, 330-pound DNA of TNA. That's right. My DNA is outer space. And you're listening to the two-man power trip of professional wrestling. You know, I, I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know 10 times more than I do. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by the icons of wrestling, comic book, and collector fest. On Saturday, April 16th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, join the two-man power trip of wrestling as well as our guests, Kevin Thorne, Justin Credible, and Shane Douglas, as well as many, many legends and many superstars of professional wrestling as we all converge on Philadelphia for an awesome day of meet and greets, Superstar interactions and one-of-a-kind opportunities for you to meet some of the biggest names in the history of the business. Head on over to Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling's official website, tmptofwrestling.com, for more information on that awesome event. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime, John Paz. And John, today we're joined by somebody who could make up the third member of this team, somebody who's very uh, very much a tag team partner of ours, and that is joining us for the unprecedented third time. Renee Dupree returns to the show, but this time with a little bit of a twist. We solicited some listener-submitted questions to kind of shake things up a little bit because if there's anything Rene Dupree has been able to do in his history on the show is he has been able to stir up a shitload of controversy as well as a ton, and I mean a ton of responses from the fans and the the listeners and the consumers of the uh, audio you're listening to right now because 
everything he says, it seems like everybody does take very, very seriously, whether it is WWE or whether it is the wrestlers themselves he's discussing. You definitely feel that that truth factor comes out. And sometimes you think maybe people can be exaggerators about stories. Well, when it comes to Rene Dupree and the things he's told us in these three episodes, I completely, completely challenge anybody to really go up against anything that Rene Dupree shares with us because he's raw. He's definitely a straight shooter. And John, as I welcome you in here, I definitely want to get your take on welcoming back Rene for a third time and uh, it's got to be, uh, every time we sit down with them, it's got to be more interesting than the next. And I think this one definitely still did not disappoint one single solitary bit. Yes, definitely. It was awesome to have Rene Dupree on for part three. We absolutely loved it, loved having him on. It's the first time ever for the show that we were able to do a part three with someone, which is just awesome. And Renee was just the perfect guest to do with, not only because he's so opinionated and he's so raw and he's so honest with us, also for the fact that, quite frankly and quite honestly, a little secret, a little behind the scenes, you know, part of it is definitely the fact that his download numbers have been off the charts. He's been unbelievable for part one. Part two was even better. So we're hoping even part three will tear the roof off the place and just go crazy with the download total. So there's a little bit more behind the scenes stuff. But, you know, we talked to Renee and he said that he felt after part two he sounded a little bitter. I don't know. I, I, we love the honesty and we love the rawness and we love the fact that we're just going to get a straight answer. No bullshit straight shoot from, from him. But... This time he was more lighthearted, he was more fun, uh, more jokey, had a lot of great things to say, a lot of funny things to say. So I really, really enjoyed part three with Rene Dupree, and quite frankly, uh, I wouldn't mind doing a part four. Of course, you never say never. And a part four could very well be in the future because, you know, there is just so many things to talk about. And we kind of tried to circle back and hit topics that weren't brought up in those prior two episodes. And you mentioned there, you know, that he said he came off feeling uh, bitter. And it's very hard for us to distinguish that as being bitter because, like you said before, he, I just see him as being truthful. And sometimes the truth hurts and it's hard to uh, decipher sometimes whether the truth is uh, meant to hurt somebody or it's meant to, uh, you know, get the real story out there. And I felt like with Renee, what he shared with us on both shows, he did a great job in getting his story across. And I think uh, there's a lot of people who turn heads uh, in their correct direction after hearing what he had to say, either about them or about the, uh, the system itself. But, John, why don't we talk about the stories themselves and the questions submitted you know, it was interesting to see what people want to hear, and uh, his answers do not disappoint, I will tell you that. And without a doubt, when you think about what we had to ask him and what people really wanted to hear, you know, he doesn't disappoint. He gives you what he's really feeling, and sometimes, uh, and I know after we asked a couple of them, really uh, waited on bated breath to see what he had to say about uh, a certain topic or a certain person. Yeah, this one was definitely a lot different than part one and part two. We did it Q&A style. We asked a lot of the fans out there through Facebook, Twitter. Uh, a lot of it came through our email. 
we just really just wanted questions for Renee that we haven't asked before. Maybe we asked, but asked a little bit differently. So that was really, really cool, and that was fun. And definitely different, and something we've never done before on the show, and we like the experiment. We might do it again in the future because it really came out well, and we thought some of the questions were funny. We thought some of the questions uh, were a little bit silly. Some of the questions were a little bit uh, hardcore, you could say. So some, And, you know, some of them were just outright crazy, but... For the most part, we digged uh, through them. We, um, I believe we got to almost all of them, which is just great. And I just love a couple of the questions. One question that was kind of funny that stood out, they're like, whatever happened to Fifi the Poodle? And his story about Fifi the Poodle is great. And what's going on with his own Fifi, the dog that he has right now. So you're going to love that story. That story is very, very funny. And then he had a great 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 story on triple h and taking measurements and just shows you i guess you can kind of see how vain triple h is that he doesn't want another guy's measurements to be as good as big as his but you'll hear renee tell the story and it's just great and you can to me to be honest i think you'll be a little bit surprised because i sure as hell was and there's so many other great stories and so many other great interactions and I just love it when we get to the end, we do a little uh, shoot style where we just basically mention the guy's name and he kind of just gives us an impression of what he says. So he has a great story about Bret Hart. He's got a great story about his father. He's got some good stuff on Jacques Rougeau and Rick the Model Martel. So his opinion on all those guys is great. And then, of course, you're going to love uh, what he has to say about JVL and a guy like Bob Holly and Bubba Ray Dudley, who obviously he doesn't like so much. So this one is a must listen and I guarantee you will enjoy it. If part one didn't disappoint and part two was as as much of a heater as part one, then part three definitely belongs right alongside those two. And I guess what I could say is if you want to hear anybody else that we've had on in the past come back for this Q&A style, tweet at Rasslin Pal or at Two Man Power Trip and let us know if there's somebody you'd love to hear come back and do the Q&A, and do the listener-submitted questions, because it is a lot of fun to get the listeners involved. And I have a few guys in mind, and John, I know you have a few guys in mind, but I'd love to hear if there's anybody out there that has any suggestions on a past guest. It has to be a past guest of the show, of course, excluding the late, great Dusty Rhodes. Uh, But besides that, anybody we've had on, we'd love to do this again, and maybe we can. But we also want to encourage you to follow Renee Dupree on Twitter, He's in his quest to beat the great Rip Rogers, a former trainer of his, in beating his Twitter follower count. And he's got a ways to go, but he's, he's new to Twitter, so bear with him. It's at Renee, Renee Dupree, and you're going to hear the plug a little bit later on. And, uh, John, that's really all I could say except for, again, join us on April 16th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with our buddies, Kevin Thorne, Just Incredible, and Shane Douglas is we all, that's right, the new breed in the originals and the two-man power trip hit Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the former ECW arena, as we take over the Icons of Wrestling Comic Book Collector Fest. Head on over to tmptofwrestling.com for more information on what we're doing at that event. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on that day. There's House of Hardcore that night. There's countless amounts of wrestling legends at this show. There's so many to name. You can search them out on Twitter or on Facebook, the Icons of Wrestling, and get that fuller itinerary. But head on over to our site to find out what we're doing. But, John, that's enough out of me. Hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and send him on to Rene Dupree, part three. 
And now for some TMPT business, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Also, check out the feed for prior great episodes featuring the late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Harley Race, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Stan the Lariat Henson, Dale the Patriot Wilkes, Matt Morgan, Homicide, and so, so, so many more. So please check that out. Also, you can check us out on Player FM, the I-95 Sports Network, and the Top Rope Press Radio Network on TopRopePress.com. Also, please check out our Pro Wrestling T-Store. It is new and it is awesome. So check out the TMPT, Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling page on ProWrestlingTees.com and order one of our shirts today. Also, wire over there. Scroll over to the Kevin Thorne page where you can become a member of the Bite Club. And speaking of Kevin Thorne, if you're looking to book Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Mordecai, a.k.a. Kevin Fertig, please email bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. That is bookings at tmptofwrestling.com. And now, without any further ado, the former All Japan TV Champion, the former two-time WWE Tag Team Champion, he is a former Mr. Canada, he is Rene Dupree. Please enjoy. couple of times but obviously back for part three and John and I tried to come up with a couple cool names that rhyme with uh, part three but the only one that uh, rhymed was Rene Dupree so obviously he's back it's a Q&A style we solicited questions via Twitter via Facebook via email and I gotta say it's, uh, it's pretty interesting to see where uh, today's fans want to see what your thoughts are on some current issues uh, as well as some things that happened in your career, a lot of our uh, past episodes did cover some of the major things, but a couple refreshers will be thrown in there, but uh, welcome back. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. It's goddamn amazing. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're saying as we started up here. Renee is now on Twitter, and uh, people are flocking. I'm on the Twitter! I'm on it! <laughs> well... It's what is it at Renee Renee Dupree and people are already having trouble with that so uh, yeah. you know I'm sure that's yeah. going to be uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll just type in Renee Dupree and it's a picture of me and bleach blonde hair. Well, what do you think so far with uh, some of the interactions? It's cool, man. You know, um, after listening to my last podcast because uh, I listened to it back and then I realized, you know what, it's time to fucking grow up. Uh, there's fans out there that want to see me in Sly, uh, you know, at these conventions and shit. So I actually, uh, I actually called him. I was a man, and I said, you know, I apologize for things that happened in the past. And uh, me and him are back together. We're gonna, we got a few bookings in in New Jersey and stuff at signing conventions, and uh, you know, get out there again, you know. 
And that's cool to see because uh, obviously that was something that, uh, you know, a couple fans did submit some questions about Sylvan, about La Resistance, about you 2 and either, you know, falling out or what really transpired. And, yeah, you did cover it on uh, the past episodes. But, you know, just kind of scanning over some of the questions here and, and looking at it, you know, just from my personal point of view, it is really cool to see that you guys uh, are patching things up and getting back together. But what was, uh, what was Sylvan's reaction to, uh, to your initial phone call? I think he called Rob Conway right away in disbelief. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they were trying for years, and I was just, uh, I was a stubborn asshole, you know. And first step is admitting you have a problem. And uh, when you're wrong, you promptly admit it. And, uh, you know what, it's time to grow up. And, uh, and uh, I wish, you know, you can't change the past, but you can change, you know, you can make the future better. And, that's what I'm going to do. I'm still young, and, you know, you only have one life to live, so uh, enjoy it, right? Yeah, without a doubt. Now, that's well said. So I guess here, this is a good one. We're going to start. This is one of our uh, most loyal listeners. It's Bruce from uh, Bruce BC Couch. He submitted these via email, and here's a good one for you, and this is something we didn't cover. But he wants to know about when you and Sylvan reteamed in the ECW brand. And what was to come of that pairing back in now the new breed of ECW? Oh, they were going to put uh, they were going to make an ECW tag team title and give it to us. Yeah, uh, I cost us about over a hundred thousand dollars that year. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, um, we, uh, we debuted. We debuted on ECW, and I was I looked phenomenal, but my brain was completely gone. Uh, just. I was a mess, and uh, we debuted. We think they put us against two uh, two Mexican guys, and they oh my god, they they bumped their ass off for us. I mean, this looked like a million bucks. It was a hot debut in the rating. The rating the following week uh, was one of the highest ratings they had. We weren't on television because, but we made our debut, and then the following week the rating was higher because I I think people want to tune in to see if we're gonna show up, you know, and. Uh, the next day, they sent us to OVW to you know, polish off whatever. And I got completely somewhat up before getting into the ring. I took a bunch of muscle relaxers. And, uh, yeah, got sent to rehab. I asked to go to rehab, though. That was like my um, um, rock bottom, I guess you call it. You know? Right. I take, so much, I take so much pride in my work that eventually I just don't care anymore. And I'm getting all fucked up, you know. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it it's kind of funny, though. It almost makes sense that they paired you guys back up because, obviously, there was a couple pairings afterwards with Sylvan and Conway, and then, you know, the different iterations of La Resistance, but bringing you two back together in ECW, which they were trying to get off the brand, uh, get off the, the ground as a new brand, makes a lot of sense. But what did you think about that rebranding of ECW, and do you think it was actually uh, meant to be successful, or do you think it was just another, like, uh, you know, prime, maybe basically a prime time, have... you know, Feeding ground. I just think there's so much fucking talent. Excuse my language. There's so much talent, and, you know, they only have so many hours of TV that, um, you know, uh, did it make any money? No. You know, to make that work, and I've said this before in interviews, they would have had to tape it in the old ECW, where ECW used to tape their shows. And those, you know, those small venues, you understand? Right. Yep. 
Like, for, for instance, when they did the Hammerstein Ballroom, it was fucking rocking, right? Because it was the old right. vibe. It's the old, but in the big arenas, you don't get that vibe. You know what I mean? What made ECW was the fan interaction, was the, the chants. And it it, it kind of reminds you of European football. You know what I mean? European right. soccer, all the chants and shit. And that's what, you know. And um, with, without that, it, it's just another wrestling show. Yeah, without a doubt. And it's almost like they figured that out, and here we are 10 years later. That's exactly what they're doing with NXT, and they're bringing NXT. Exactly what they're doing, yeah. Right. Exactly. But but this time, there's a guy who's uh, running the show of NXT who might have, uh, I don't know, maybe he looked down upon some of the uh, developmental talent 10 years ago. And this is another great one. Uh, it's obviously uh, it's a question that's on the lips of uh, many fans, but this one is sent in for you. And this one is from Johnny from Long Island, and he wants to know, what are your personal feelings on Triple H? <laughs> well, I could torch the bridge on this one, couldn't I? Huh? <laughs> no, um, I'm going to tell you a story. You guys want to hear a story? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, I'm, so I'm walking backstage one day, and there's two seamstresses, two sisters. They've been there forever. Their names are Julie and Terry. So Terry, yeah, Terry's the oldest one. She goes, Renee, we, we need to take your measurements. I go, really? You guys making me an outfit? She goes, no, 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 the office wants everybody's measurements. I'm like, okay. So boom, she's doing my, my arms, my legs, and she does I do like a front lat spread. She goes all around the back, and she, her eyes get as big as saucers. She goes, oh, my God, Renee, you're bigger than Hunter. We can't have this. So she literally wrote like two or three inches less so that Hunter would be bigger than me. That's the fucking mentality you have to deal with, okay? You think I'm bullshitting you. I am not. So that's the mentality you have to deal with. And I, I, I talked to my mentor, one of my men, Rip Rogers. He goes, Renee, it's always been that way. I go, well, that's just fucking stupid. <laughs> but, um, uh, hey, listen, a lot of people don't like him, but the guy's living his dream, Right? I mean, he's getting to hang out with rock stars. He gets to work out at midnight with dudes. And, you know, he's got a... I mean, who the hell wouldn't want to hit Stephanie McMahon? I mean, you know, hit it. Right? <laughs> he's got a hot wife. So he's got a healthy three beautiful daughters that are healthy. And the guy makes millions of dollars a year. Uh, most guys that hate on him are usually just envy. You know? So... Envy's a sin, and uh, I try to avoid being a sinner. So that's my opinion on that. Definitely. And moving a little, a little bit forward, but kind of staying in the same vein there. Chris from Florida, is wrestling at WrestleMania overrated? <laughs> the pay is. <laughs> <laughs> that was the lowest paycheck I ever got was WrestleMania 20 at the Garden. I got paid just as much to to, just to be at the show than I did to be on the card. Yeah, I'm not gonna say specifics, but yeah. And plus, you gotta stay there all week, right? And you know, some guys do personal appearances or whatever. But a week in fucking Manhattan ain't cheap, you know, especially hmm. when you're eating six meals a day or whatever, right? Like I was. But uh, no, no. I guess just the fact that you know you can say, hey man, I was at WrestleMania at the Garden is kind of cool, right? That is true. Yeah. Very cool. 
20, 20 we, years old at WrestleMania 22. Not too many fucking people can say that. I don't think hmm. anybody can say that besides me. Do you think WrestleMania itself is a, a little bit overrated? How everyone says, oh, it's, you know, their dream to work at WrestleMania. Do you think that kind of dream is a little bit cliche? Um, different strokes for different folks. Everybody has different goals. Um, I mean, that is, where else can you work in front of? Like this year it's going to be, what, 100,000 people? They'll probably outdraw what their previous record was. I think they already have because that record of 93,000 is a bunch of bullshit. I think it was actually like 78. And from my year, they have like 84,000 tickets sold at legit. So this is going to be the largest WrestleMania attendance in history. And uh, fuck, who wouldn't? You know. But uh, I think North Korea, they had like 150,000 or something, I heard, back in the day. But they, you know, the North Koreans forced the people to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> That good old collision in Korea, quite quite a show. But, you know, like yeah. you said, I probably forced uh, some of the people to do it. But um, moving on here, Ken from Virginia, thoughts on the WWE Network, and do you have the WWE Network? No, I don't. Uh, I wish they'd pay me for the WWE Network, because I think everybody who's on it wishes they got some type of royalty off that. But... I guess you're still, you know, it's you're still a part of the company in a way because they're showing your stuff, right? And you're part mm-hmm. of. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, you know, and then they say, "Well, ah, nobody watches the old stuff." All right, we'll take off all the old stuff and watch your fucking uh, subscriber count drop within six months. You know, I think there's a lot of people that want to watch the old stuff. That is uh, definitely true. And, you know, kind of picking, backing off of what you said there with uh, the roles and stuff, we had a lot of guys on the show talk about how, you know, they're quite upset that they don't even see, you know, a dime from the royalties and they're making all this money off of it. And I actually uh, did some math recently because we had Kevin Thorne on talking about it and Shane Douglas and then Buff Bagwell was talking about it. And I was doing some math and, you know, they're making millions upon millions and something like hundreds of millions of dollars off the network and you guys aren't seeing any, you know, royalty checks from that at all, isn't that you know a little bit off on their on, you know on their part? Well, you do know there's a lawsuit right over that as well. They're being sued by everybody. Fuck, they're being sued by. They got the concussion lawsuit. They got guys wanting their royalties, and there's uh, there's uh, the the investors. Remember when uh, they lost like half a million, half a billion, or four hundred million in one day? They pissed mm-hmm. off a bunch of people. Yeah, there's a bunch of investors to them, too. So. It is definitely kind of interesting, the fact that, you know, they don't have the, the DVDs, because you guys used to get the cut on the DVDs, or you get the cut on the merch, or whatever, and this WWE yeah. Network, this streaming, is somewhat the new form of the DVDs and stuff, so, you know, maybe the royalty check thing is definitely holding a lot of weight. Yeah, my... <laughs> Actually, I didn't receive a royalty check five years after. I had to fight to get my royalties back because apparently, uh, they they um when I when I asked for my release was in 2007 and I had just gotten out of rehab. Right, I got out of rehab. Benoit killed his family, and I said, okay, that's it. I want to leave. And then um, John was like, um, well, but hey, you know, we just paid. Uh, they paid a lot. They they paid a lot. 
I'm six figures for the rehab. So I was like, you know what? I owe it to you, whatever. And then uh, um, usually you get like three months severance pay or whatever when you leave. So that went to them. I didn't take that. I didn't get my severance pay. And then five years, I didn't get. So I like I was in a bunch of DVDs. I was talking with Sly. Like, yeah, man, we were in a bunch of DVDs, and I didn't get a dime from it, so. And, you know, I was kind of pissed off, because, you know, now they pay for everybody's rehab, right? Hmm. I don't pay for mine, so. Whatever. I'm okay, I'm healthy. It's all good. I got a roof over my head. I drive a nice pickup truck. Uh, and I got steady income from my investments, so. I'm not hating on anybody. It's all good. And, and it is, uh... Interesting, you know, the fact that the royalties and stuff, but you mentioned the lawsuit. You're not the first guy on the show to bring up uh, a pending lawsuit about the royalties. Yeah. Have you been contacted at all, you know, as far as uh, getting maybe your opinion on it or anything like that? I cannot confirm or deny. Uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think it would only be fair that, you know, I mean, eventually, who the hell is going to buy DVDs anymore, right? Yep. I mean, every, they're going to they're put everything on their network, you know. And I, you guys will probably know this better than I do. They're on television in about 150 different countries, right? Yep. Now, how many countries have the network? Is it available? Well, it's growing and growing, but more and more, you know, as, as each day passes. Yeah. I think Japan just got it and, and some places in Europe, so it's definitely growing. Yeah. So... I mean, they're at 1.3 million now. They yep. will reach 2 million or th- even 3 million. They will. As, as bad as people say the product is, I don't know. I don't watch it. But as bad as they say it is, and it don't matter. It don't matter. There's always uh, new fans, and there's always old fans that come back. Okay? So they, they will. They will reach it. So... And Vince himself said right now, I mean, the ratings are the shits, but he said it himself. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter that much. So, you know. Right now, the Raw is like a three-hour infomercial to sell their network. That's what it is. You know what I mean? I mean, my yep. buddy the other day, we, we sat and I go, let's, just for fun, let's sit and watch and count how many times they say WWE in one hour. 60 times. So they're averaging saying the initials WWE every minute in one hour, right? Crazy. The reason they do Crazy. that is to, it's like brand awareness. It's to get into your fucking head. You can go, and it, it, it works, you know, because I was in Japan, and uh, my buddy there owns a restaurant, and he had a, his couple from Brazil, and they're eating, and, then, you know, the typical question is what you do for a living. I said, I'm a pro wrestler. What's that? All I had to say was WWE. WWE. Oh, WWE. Oh. See, they don't know what pro wrestling is. They don't know what the fuck sports entertainment is, but they understand WWE. You get it? Mm. WWE is a household name all over the world. Yes, and there's a great Jim Cornette line uh, that he once used on uh, Hulk Hogan. You know, it might be a household name, but so is garbage. And it's. <laughs> <laughs> you guys sound like the bitter wrestling fans. <laughs> I'm supposed to be the bitter wrestler. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> you know, one of the crazy things, though, with the network that I think a lot of people pass over, too, is the fact that, and I know it's this way in parts of Canada, they actually stream it as a channel, whereas in the States, 
you got to go exclusively through your streaming device or your Roku or your laptop. But in parts of Canada, they do stream it as an actual channel, and I think that that's where the biggest problem is coming, where how are you going to pay? If you're showing WrestleMania 20 on a loop, that, you know, on the anniversary of WrestleMania 20, that's where I see right. it being a huge problem. See, I, I don't even watch TV anymore. You know what I mean? And a lot of my friends, I know a lot of my friends um, that don't watch TV. You know what I mean? They just either, you know, turn their laptops or, you know what I mean? So, uh, I don't know. Netflix is a big thing, too. People just watch their Netflix on their, you know, their PCs or desktops, right. you know? Exactly, yeah. I actually, you know, earlier today having the conversation with John about the fact that I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. There's nothing on TV that interests me. Uh, and even sometimes with Netflix, there's nothing that's really, you know, what's, what's really there to grab my attention that I haven't seen before. And, you know, you want to talk about, you know, a bitter wrestling fan, I would be more inclined to go back and watch something from the old school or something from, you know, 15 or 20 years ago just to uh, kind of fill in time, you know, when working out or something just because there's nothing worth a damn <laughs> on television right. anymore. But how about this, too? Here's another side of the argument, and this is, uh, this is pretty interesting. So we just had Gangrel on. Uh, a couple days ago, and he made, made mention that he doesn't really give a crap about the royalties because he said the WWE Network is what's helping him get bookings more regularly now. And maybe because of the attitude ever being prominently featured, that could have been the case. But so Gangrel would be the first guy I think that we've talked to that is the opposite end of it, where he's saying, no, the network, who cares? Whatever they put me on, whatever, I'm going to be seen by more eyes now. That's true, too. That's true, too. Yeah, that is true. Um, one thing is like uh, when you're in this, it's in your blood, brother. It's like a drug. It's the best and worst drug in the world. You know what I mean? Once, um, once you've been a part of it and you, you're hooked, you're hooked. So you know, uh, money's great, but you also want to perform in front of those people. You know? So I don't know. It's um. Life's too short to be bitter, and sometimes you, uh, I do interviews. Uh, like I listened to it last time, and I was like, "Fuck, I came across as bitter." And it's like the inevitable with pro wrestlers. I mean, I haven't met one <laughs> old timer that's not bitter. <laughs> you know, ah, hell, it was better in my day, kid. Jesus Christ, it's better in my day. Now it's the shits. It seems like every generation that they say that, oh, it was better in my day. It was better in my day. No. Whatever it is, what it is, everything evolves. Some for the good, some for the bad, right? So, yeah, exactly. But you know, I think the guys more of your day, uh, you know, and even you know, we think about the guys from ten years ago. That it's kind of hard to believe that you know, there's not too many of you guys around in the business right now, at least with WWE, if not in a training capacity. Um, but here's one question that I really loved, and because I don't think we really touched on him either. But we had, actually, and thank you for the female listeners of the show, but we had Patty from Portland, Oregon, who wanted to know, do you still keep in contact with your former tag team partner, Kenzo Suzuki? Kenzo. Yeah, when I was working all Japan, we tagged up again. Um, uh, Hiroko has actually got elected into politics. She's, um, I don't know exactly what it is, a governor, not a governor, but a mayor I don't know, so something in the politic, political thing. Kenzo was working for All Japan, but I think now he's just a freelance freelance guy. Um, they had a baby. Uh, I think a little boy. And uh, I always, he was my, you know, 
I had a lot of heat when I was on SmackDown. You know, people didn't like me. But thank God for him, because uh, without him, I would have probably quit a lot sooner. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. And what brought that pairing together? You guys, it's funny, I mean, the two international uh, superstars really gelled well. And it kind of seemed like he was in a singles uh, rut, you know, and they put him with you, and it seemed like you guys were, like, the perfect tag team for that point. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, that was creative's decision, and they put the tag titles on us, which was it helped me, especially in Japan. Because, you know, all of a sudden I'm featured prominently in all of the magazines, right? You know, because of Kenzo, you know. Whenever a Japanese wins a title, they push it in their magazine, so. Um, it, it, was kind of, it was kind of funny because uh, I remember Vince blasting out laughing when we were in Gorilla because I told Hiroko one day to let her walk Fifi the dog and the dog was bigger than her and then we had <laughs> you know it was just like a, it was like a circus because we had the robes on I had the flag she had the dog and Kenzo had the belt and I don't know you're slipping channels and you know you see us coming out for our entrance you're going to stop and watch because it looks like the circus is coming to town right <laughs> but um no, I had fun with Kenzo uh, him, him and uh, us two against Rob and Ray were probably some of my fam- favorite matches actually now, I can go two different directions here, but I'll stay on Fifi the Poodle because Matt from Brick, New Jersey, wants to know whatever happened to Fifi the Poodle. <laughs> um, I actually, me and my wife bought a poodle in Tokyo, and we named it Fifi. And she's a, he's a he, it's a he, and he's sleeping, he's sleeping on the couch right now. But every every week, uh, they'd have a person call up, like, the um, show dog, they have a different dog every week. Mm. So I always thought it was the same dog. I was like, no, man. Uh, one week could be like a, you know, a white standard poodle. Then it would be a black standard poodle. One night it became it was bright pink with pink uh, fingernails and shit. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I loved it because I was a British bulldog fan as a kid, right? And um, I figured, fuck, if I'm a, how can I make myself stand out? Well, okay, I'm jacked. I got bleach blonde hair. I got a robe. Got a flag. Well, fuck, give me a poodle too, you know. And plus, I was thinking merchandising too. Always hmm. thinking about ways to stand out and how to make more money. But I was a heel. They never made merchandise for me. So hmm. whatever. You know. If I have one regret, is that I never got the chance to be a babyface on Vince's TV. Because I can assure you that as much heat as I had as a heel, at one point I thought. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but toot toot, I was the best fucking heel they had. I could have had equal, if not greater, babyface response. I know I could have. So, that's my one regret. But, hey, it's not the end of the world. Right. Now, Dave from Connecticut wrote, Rob Van Dam recently noted in an interview how he felt bad for all the abuse you took from veterans like JBL, because he said you were, quote-unquote, just a kid at that point. Do you resent a guy like Rob for saying that and not actually doing anything about it? No, it's like I told you before. It's every man for himself. You know? He did tell me a few times, oh, Renee, next time you just look at him and go, mother. I go, what? <laughs> yeah, just look at him and say, your mother. I go, nah, <laughs> I'm not going to stick myself to that level. You know, I just, 
Now, if I, no, no, no. Now, I would knock him the fuck out, all right? I'm not a kid anymore, okay? And it's like, okay, what happens when you tease a little dog? Dog gets crossed and he starts biting you, right? That's what they did to me, okay? And, uh, I mean, to this day, if I would see him at an airport, I don't know what I would do. I'd probably have to walk away, because, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Now, our buddy over at Wrestling Inc., Sean Rossett, says, Do you resent people saying that you didn't really pay your dues in the wrestling business when you actually grew up in wrestling? Who says I never paid my dues? Well, the the rumor, you know, the backstage thing with JBL saying stuff like, you know, kind of teasing you about it or like a Bob Holly or a Bubba. Oh, yeah. Well, I trained, I used to walk in blizzards in Canada to get to the gym because my dad would drive me. Well, my parents wouldn't drive me. I used to bike six miles to the fucking gym, okay? Uh, I used to spend hours in the gym working on my body. Uh, on weekends, when most kids were out playing hockey or dating girls or whatever the fuck, I'd be up in my room studying tape, okay? When most kids were reading comic books, I was reading Muscle and Fitness, Okay, I would do 500 push-ups before bed every night. I still do it. Um, uh, I didn't. I uh, uh, from May to September, I'd be wrestling, and we wouldn't be doing stupid bumps and stupid shit. We would learn holds and counter holds. Okay, I would finish school at three o'clock, do a half hour at the gym, rush home, get in the van, and we'd go do a show seven nights a week. Some nights I'd wrestle twice a night. You understand? Uh, but at the time I was 18, I had over 500 matches. All right? Uh, people nowadays go a whole career without getting that many. I was born at six years old. I was um, playing soccer in Masachono, watching Harley race at the bar, get drunk with my dad. <laughs> uh, when I was like three, Lila and Kai would take me to the beach. You understand? Um, I paid my dues. And then I quit them. They didn't quit me. And I went and worked in England for fucking 100 bucks a night. All right? Uh, I backpacked through Europe working gigs. You know, I lived in Japanese dojos. I've done winter death tours where you drive 48 hours from Toronto straight up into the fucking woods over frozen lakes. You know, sleeping in fucking uh, gymnasiums. I did that. All right? Um, I paid my dues. Without a doubt, yeah. And I mean, you know, your father's uh, legacy in wrestling is uh, is so awesome. And I feel like we, you know, the the general audience needs to know more about your dad. And you know, it's not uh, giving him just due to just look yeah, up online. I wish they did. You... I wish they did. I wish they yeah. did. You well, know, they know a lot about Stu Hart. You know, everybody knows about Stu Hart, but they don't know about my father. My father was an orphan. My father's parents died when he was very young. He was put in an orphanage, and back in the fifties and forties when he was in there. Uh, there was a lot of abuse in the orphanages. So he escaped the orphanage, and he hid in the town that we still live in, Shidiac. He hid because he was scared the authorities were going to find him. And uh, he, he had to drop out of school and take care of his, take care of his aunt, who was hiding him because she got sick, and he would shovel pulp on a boat in the docks. And that sucked. So he went to his first wrestling match in Monkey, New Brunswick. I think he was 14 years old, and it was the Battle of the Bulls. It was Bull Montana versus uh, Wild Bull Curry. 
the place was sold out, the old Moncton Coliseum. And that's when he was hooked. And uh, he learned how to wrestle on the beach by two locals at 17. And he hitchhiked his way to Boston for a promoter named Tony Santos. Uh, that's where Abdullah broke in. That's where Pat Patterson broke in in the, in the American scene. And uh, it took him 10 years to save $100,000. He was, you know, he, he lived through the Depression. So a lot of people say he's cheap and he's a miser. Yeah, well, if you live through the fucking Depression and you don't have it, two pennies to rub together, um, you'd save your money too. Now he's a multimillionaire, okay? And he still lives like it's the Depression. But <laughs> uh, you can't knock success, all right? So that's what I have to say. Yeah, no, totally, and that's uh, that's such of that school to uh, to act like that. You know, you uh, when you don't have those two uh, pennies rubbed together, you really know the value of what that dollar really is. But you know, at one point, Grand Prix was one of the most well-known promotions in Canada, and there's so many promotions that we do hear about from Canada, whether it's uh, you know it, it's Stampede or it's even uh, the AWA heading up into Canada or even the Rougeaus. I mean, it's just there's so many different things that happen inside Canada. But when your dad formed Grand Prix. You know, some of the names to pass through, they're like Andre and even Ric Flair. And, well, see, what happened is, What happened was, it was originally, Grand Prix Wrestling was from, Lit Grand Prix from Montreal, okay? And uh, they folded, but my dad got all the tapes, okay? So my dad took the tapes, and he played them on local TV stations, and here it was seasonally, okay? We only ran from May to September, May to October. In the wintertime, you know, with the ice and, and the winter, we couldn't draw shit, so... But during the winter, he played the tapes. And it had Andre. It had all the stars from, from Montreal. Boom, boom, boom. Played all the... And when the spring hit, he had all that exposure. And then he got all the guys. And the most money he ever made was in 1976 or 77. I forget exactly what year, but he brought in Andre for 10 days. He was only supposed to be here for seven, but he got him for an extra three days, and he cleared over $100,000 back in the 70s. You know what I mean? Nowadays, you no know, Vince, that's some change for him, but back then, that was a shit ton of money, you know. And that's with like fifty cents, fifty cents for tickets. Wow. Okay. So imagine how many people were in the fucking building. Yeah. 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 No, that's uh, that's unbelievable. Now, what are some of your, uh, you know, like some of the fondest memories that you have of growing up, you know, around your dad, and some of the stories that he'd tell you about, uh, you know, some of the names to pass through. Uh, the ones that I remember were, you know, Harley, um, uh, and Rick Martel. That to me, he was like the consummate professional. Like if you watch my work, I emulated or copied Rick Martel a lot, you know, because when I saw him, he was like, he was what a wrestler should be. Always kept himself well dressed, well conditioned, a true pro, a true gentleman. Um, Bad News Allen was just a badass. <laughs> <laughs> scary motherfucker. <laughs> uh, the midgets. I always Sky Lolo. I don't know if you, that name rings a bell, but he was like a second oh, yeah. baller to me. Yeah, he was the best midget wrestler, and and that's an art that's lost. I'm sorry, but yeah, Sky was like, uh, you know, he would send me telegrams on my birthday, and when he passed away, that was hard for me. You know, but um. The wrestling for me was like family, like a real family. We literally, you know, Sky would live in the house. Harley would live in the house. Uh, now when we do tours, the guys just stay in my house. It's like a family. It's a close-knit group. WWF, they say it's a family, but, dude, it's a fucking shark tank. It's a doggy dog. It's a, you 
know, it's a business more than anything. It's corporate America. It ain't family, you know. So, but it is what it is. You learn to live with it. That's for sure. Now, going back to the script a little bit here, i got a question from Keith in Virginia. It's actually a couple questions, but I guess they're all into one question here. It's, thoughts on Daniel Bryan's retirement? Well, he's got a job for life no matter what, or at least he should. You know? um, he got the main event in WrestleMania, didn't he? He could still yep. be a focal part of the show if he wants to be. Just because he can't be in the ring doesn't mean he can't be in the... He could, he could probably still referee. You know, he could probably uh, be an agent. He could be a GM. You know, just because he can't wrestle doesn't mean he can't be involved. Um, thing is, though, he might be so popular that it would take away from the guys they're trying to build. <laughs> you know what hmm. I mean? Yep. And, uh, that just that just goes to show that if you have enough heart and enough determination and enough positive attitudes and you're as clean and sober like that guy is, I don't think he's ever touched anything in his life. Uh, go for it. He's a real motivation, you know. He, he, in a lot of ways, is an American hero. You know, I'm not trying to kiss his ass. I'm just telling the truth about the guy. And I know him personally. I've been on tour with him in England, and it's like I want it to be so fucking miserable. Because think about it. you go from WWE, <laughs> then you go to England where you're working for fucking chump change, I was so miserable, but I couldn't be miserable around him. Just hmm. Because he's, he's he's just a, such a positive person. You know what I mean? Just a good-hearted person. And, uh, it, yeah, I feel, you know, I was sucks that he has to retire, but it's probably good because he won't be you know, a paraplegic and he won't be brain dead by the time he's 50. That is very true. I mean, it's definitely bittersweet, uh, for sure, for Daniel Bryan. And here's a, another question. I guess piggybacking off that question is, that, did you think the WWE in any way forced Daniel Bryan into retirement? You never know. You never know. You know. I think the fact that they're being sued has a big part to do with it. You know. I think that has a really big part to do with it. Um... I'd like to fucking get that test, too, actually. I mean, I worked there for years. You know what I mean? I took chair mm-hmm. shots to the head and those sticks to the head and was knocked out several, that they're very well aware of. Why can't I get that test? I actually emailed them about it. I never heard back. But, you know, because, I, okay, I have free care, health care up in here in Canada, but we don't have the advanced technology that y'all Americans do. You guys pay out the ass for good health care, but you get fucking quality. You know what I mean? I actually have a neurological exam coming up Thursday, but we don't have the machines that, that you guys do. You know, a lot of guys probably would like to have the same thing. You know, please give me these tests. I'd like to know what's, if there's anything wrong up there. I'm showing all the symptoms. I have been for years. You know, so, but whatever. In due time. I guess this was another question, kind of piggybacking off of off of that one. It says. Um, do you think that WB was trying to avoid another Chris Benoit-like situation? Uh, yeah, that's quite possible. <laughs> uh, wouldn't you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know. It, it's a real issue. 
it's an issue that they cannot avoid. They can't hide. They can't squip, you know, sweep under the rug. Um, I think it has to has a lot to do with the fact that there was such a massive number of young deaths in our business. Okay, because I'll tell you moves right now that should be banned. I already said the Alabama slam. That's number one. Power bombs should be banned. Uh, spine busters should be banned. Back suplexes off the top rope should be banned. Because just, just watch the moves carefully and watch it. You know, I, 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 there's a clip on... I, I, I watch a lot of clips now. And it was a match between uh, Benoit and Eddie from WCW. And he gave him this fucking powerbomb. And you can tell his head just bounces right off the mat. Right there you can tell. It's an instant concussion. Instant concussion. A lot of these, I've been knocked out of all those moves, you know, and not necessarily knocked out cold, but, uh, you know, you hit your head, you go black, everything gets fuzzy for a little while, then you come to, and every wrestler who, I'm sure they've experienced it at least a few times in their career, they know exactly what I'm talking about, you know, so, like my dad always told me, you know, when I wrestled back in my day, kids, (laughs) holes and counter holes, and it worked, they drew money with it, you know, Holes and counter holes. What's the UFC do now? They do holes and counter holes, and they're selling out arenas everywhere because it's presented as real. You guys think Pride and K1 was all a, a legit shoot? Hmm. Probably not. You guys not. think that? I'm asking a question. No, probably not. No. Some of it definitely. No, not. It was a, no. It was all the. A lot of it was a work. Okay. So. Whatever. I but do remember. Fucking exposed. I do remember Takata against uh, Mark Coleman. That was definitely uh, a bit of a work. I don't know if you've seen that fight before. Oh yeah, yeah. When we were in uh, Bulg, where how was that? Bulgaria? Yeah, Bulgaria. They brought in two giant K1 fighters, and uh, we're supposed to do a little thing. You know, are you gonna give me? And I was scared. I was like, "Fuck, man! Is this guy, you know, is this guy gonna bust my nose up for real?" He's like, "No, don't worry. I'm K1." Basically, telling me that you know, it's all at work. Yeah. Hmm. Bam Bam did a shoot over there with Chemo. It's one of his, on one of his shooting interviews, he admitted that, you know, it was all the work. You know, it's all about money. Think boxing is legitimate? Give me a fucking break. Hmm. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Next question. That's true. Yes, yeah. next question. How many concussions have you had in your career total? I uh, can't count. Too many. Too many. Now, this one is from Jason Stout, our buddy over at Top Rope Press. He wants to know, have you ever been asked by the WWE to return? I was re-signed in 2010. I don't think I ever told anybody that. Yeah, for a seven-figure deal. Yeah. And what happened? Well, <sighs> I told John he has to go fuck himself twice. Quote the great Rob Ford, the mayor of Toronto, and one of my many drunken stupors. Yeah, <laughs> I was in I was in Japan and uh, and uh, working for all of Japan. Uh, I got myself there. Um, Johnny helped me get to hustle. I showed those guys I knew how to work and I could work, and uh, I got myself to all of Japan. 
And uh, at one time, believe it or not, I was probably one of the highest paid foreigners in Japan. Mind you, I was living there. But, um, you know, people think New Japan, they have no fucking clue how it really works. They don't have a fucking clue. Um, I, I still don't understand it. But anyway, like people think that the best wrestlers, Japanese wrestlers, wrestle for New Japan. But all their work, all those companies have great workers. All of them. One of the best one, uh, best workers in Japan right now works for Big Japan. Are you guys familiar with uh, Daisuke? I think it's Hashimoto. I've seen him. About? Yep, I've seen him a few times. Yeah, he's like he's like the Japanese version of Biggie Langston. Okay, except this motherfucker dies off the top rope like a fucking cruiserweight. You know, he's built like Biggie. Unbelievable. He's probably one of the best workers in Japan right now. Um, but yeah, I was resigned. Um, Part of, part of the negotiations or whatever was that I had to go to rehab, which I needed. I was completely messed up. Um, <clears throat> and what happened was I went to Pittsburgh, got my evaluation, you know, did the piss test and all everything. I got a brand a neurological uh, exam. I never got the results, you know. Hmm. I kind of like to get that. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 But then when it came to get my work permit or whatever, I had gotten a, a drug charge, misdemeanor drug charge back in 2006. And because of that, it, that might have hindered the uh, uh, work permit, because I'm Canadian, right? So work permit, that might have done it. They never really told me why. But then uh, also I have to get a waiver like, I just got it cleared. Now I can get back in the United States. It was good for five years. By the time that I got out of rehab and everything, that waiver had expired, and maybe that delayed the uh, um, the green card application process or whatever. So basically, it didn't happen. So I believe that's when everything happens for a reason. That old quote kind of pops up in your head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I did get depressed. I got really depressed over that. You know, because <clears throat> uh, when I left there by my own choice, a part of me was like, you know what? I'm going to go out and prove to you motherfuckers that I can get over. And I did, you know. And um, when I was in Japan, yeah, I almost had a vendetta because sometimes Johnny Ace would look at me like, who the fuck are you? You know, what are you? You know, and and he'd always say, well, when I was in Japan, you know, he always mentioned that. I was like, yeah, okay, I'll fucking make it there without your fucking help and get over. And I did. And that was almost like a fuck you to him, you know? So sometimes I can be my own worst enemy. Hmm. But I can see that. At least I'm, I'm, <laughs> at least I'm mad enough to admit it. Right? Yep. Now, Jason Stout also asked, but I don't know if you would really know because you're saying you don't really follow the current product, but, who do you see as the future face of the company? It doesn't matter. WWE, the brand, is the future face of the company. You know what I mean? Uh, they're going to draw one of the biggest audiences in the history of WrestleMania. Is Cena on the card? No. Not this Who's year, Undertaker no. No, they don't need him. Hmm. Who's Undertaker wrestling? Fucking Shane O'Mahon. Kid. Yep. Yeah. You understand? It don't matter. WrestleMania is the draw. WWE is the draw. Okay? 
you can break it down. Well, oh well, the Cena tours were this much or this. Brother, everybody's replaceable, okay? And after two or three years, they've seen your act. They're on so much television now; they've seen your act. You're, you're, it's old news, quick. You know. I mean, if nobody ever sees a "You Can't See Me Again," I, I don't think they'll care. They're ready for something new. You know. Do you guys agree? I definitely, definitely agree, and I think a lot of the fans uh, definitely agree. You know, at this time. You know, for the next guy to come up, and I'm sure when that guy passes, they'll be looking for the next guy. That's that's it. That's it. You're a spoke in the wheel. Um, you're a piston in the engine. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a machine. You know, they 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 come to town. They come to town once or twice a year in the big markets. Once every five years in the small markets, and they'll sell out every time. You know, because that's uh, true. You know, uh, uh, for example, <clears throat> Neville, he's a puck. He's a hell of a fucking unbelievable. He's an opening match. Okay, that's what he is. He's mm-hmm. Fucking, it's like it's like a rock show. You go to a rock show. What, what happens? Saying Kid Rock comes to town. He's gonna fucking play the song off his new album. One of the hit songs. It's usually fast tempo to get the people up. Boom. That's what Neville is. He's a fucking fast tempo. Boom, 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 boom. Get the people up on their feet. Then you got to bring them down. Then you bring them back up. You bring them down. Then you take them home with something big and pop the crowd. One, two, three. Yay! And usually they put something like Undertaker or one of the, whoever the fuck that they want to sell merchandise. Right? But that's the best spot to get. That's the spot I'd want if I was a Bay face. Right before intermission. Why? Because who's the last gig they see before intermission and they go spend money? You. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. Or the main event. Because then on their way out, they want to buy the Cena T-shirt or whatever the fuck, right? It's a it's a business, man. That is very very true. Now here's an interesting question from Vinny from Brooklyn. He was saying the real heat between yourself and the Dudley, I guess more Bubba though, um, between La Resistance and the Dudley Boys, is it because of the Spike Dudley incident where uh, La Resistance injured him, or is Bubba <laughs> oh, yeah, Dudley just a dickhead? Okay, go back. Okay, go watch that back. Go watch. Now, do you think really think it was me and Sly's idea to put Spike through that table? No, no. it was Bubba. Bubba wanted to. Okay, Bubba usually he decided. He, he had a lot of respect with print, in which he should, because he's very good at creating shit. Like, if he were a movie producer, he would be excellent at that. He would be an excellent agent. As far as in-ring talent, honestly, Bubba, if you're listening, you're fucking sloppy, okay? There was times where he dropped me on my fucking neck. Like, What's up, spot? You know, where he, boom, and Devon comes up mm-hmm. with the headbutt. Yep. Yeah, there'd be nice man. I'm feeding for him, and he's dropping me on the fucking, on the back of my head. And Anyway. Um, I felt so bad after that. Okay, I was crying backstage. Yeah, because I felt so... If you go back and watch that clip, that scene, you'll see my face. I was legit concerned and worried. <laughs> go back and watch it. You'll see my facial expression. That was a shoot. Uh, we didn't set up the table. It wasn't our idea to do it. We told him we didn't feel comfortable doing it. And if you, when we put him up in that... Uh, like, we lifted him up for our finish or whatever... And then his leg kind of hooked on the top rope, and he fell awkwardly, right? And uh, 
then the next week, if you remember correctly, they did it to Conway, but they put two tables, okay? What happened? He went through the one table, but his head hit the back of the other table just like Spike. Did they get fucking yelled at? No. No. We got yelled at because we're green, quote-unquote. Sorry, my dad taught me to fucking grab holds, headlock takeover, grab an armbar, grab a hold, learn to work, son. Not fucking take another human being and throw him through the fucking table from inside to the outside. That's, you know, if you do that on a movie set, you have a stunt double, and you do takes, and you have fucking mats to fucking protect the person. You know what I mean? That ain't fucking wrestling. That supports entertainment. Wow, yeah, no, totally. And, uh, you know, it's funny, you know, you mentioned Bubba and, and listening. Uh, we actually, you know, I don't think we've even mentioned this on the air. We had an interview set up with the Dudleys uh, at a remote location that we were supposed to do that was canceled at the last minute. So whether or not he does... Oh, really? I always, is that true that you guys are not allowed to do WWF people anymore, WWE? It's, uh, well, you know, it's pretty true. It's, uh, it's kind of come up and down that, uh, you know, we, we basically... Uh, yeah, we really haven't gone into a lot on air, a lot of red tape behind the scenes, but I, I kind of go over it. The gist of it is that, you know, we had somebody lined up, uh, you know, through a promotion that, uh, you know, happened during a controversial time, and, uh, you know, we submitted questions to be uh, reviewed, and uh, just basically as the interview was going to happen, uh, it was pulled, and then we got the edict that uh, they weren't letting anybody do any, quote, small podcasts um, and small media. So. Oh. Yeah, so, I mean, in a way, it's a knock, but, you know, you, you definitely shed light on some truths that have come out that, you know, there are a lot of ears on the uh, on the show itself. And like I said, we had something set up with the Dudleys uh, that did get canceled at the last second. So, uh, pretty interesting uh, stuff, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm burning bridges left and right here. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. I saved my money, you know, yeah. And I, I got a rich dad too. Okay, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, no. Um, yeah, we like to put, we like to play it fair. You know, we're we're not out to uh, you know really uh, kill a product or, or kill a fan base or like you said, you know, be like a bitter fan. We obviously, you know, we've kind of laid the groundwork uh, when it comes to a certain style of interview uh, that we have. So you know, the, any bit of controversy, obviously, they're gonna kind of steer you know, in another direction, but, you know, we've said it before, and this is actually kind of great. I wanted to save this one for last, but this is kind of a funny question, but uh, it's a question I pulled off of your Facebook page, and that is, is pro wrestling dead? Is pro wrestling dead? Mm. Well, as controversial as Jim Cornette is, <laughs> a lot of people... A lot of people agree with him, and a lot of people don't agree with him. I agree with him on some things. You know, the fact that he bashes Canadians and uh, French Canadians, uh, well, I can understand because a lot of a lot of Americans don't like French Canadians. A lot of Canadians don't like French Canadians. Hell, I'm half French Canadian, and I don't understand myself sometimes. So, uh, <laughs> is pro wrestling dead? Um, anybody believe pro wrestling is real you'd be surprised by how many people ask me is that, is that real still to this day because the general public as al snow would call him i love this line mr and mrs walmart 
okay? That's like, yeah, Mr. M- that's like the general public. They ain't listening to this fucking podcast that we're doing right now. You know? Who's listening to this podcast? The diehard internet wrestling community is listening to this podcast right now. Okay? And they don't give a shit. They know it's a work. They know how to call finishes, but they don't care. They love it. You know what I mean? And most people, the general, they want to go see an attraction. Okay? They want to go see the freak sheiks and geeks. You know, they want to get out of the house and be entertained. Uh, we all know wrestling isn't real. Uh, not wrestling, but um, movies. But when you see a preview for a good movie, holy shit, that looks good. Let's go see that. Why? Because you want to be entertained. Same thing with WWF when when they do their, uh, which they have the best of. They have the best of everything, but the production for like their pay-per-views or whatever. You know what I mean? If it's if it's marketed right, and wow, I want to see this. I want to see this build up. I want to see this fight. You know what I mean? And they're the best at it. So it's definitely in a downward spiral because there's an oversaturation. I'm talking about the indie scene. Okay, because any motherfucker can go to high spots and buy a ring, right? Anybody can call up a venue and rent a building, and anybody can print out posters saying there's wrestling, and then they show up with a bunch of fat guys with buggy whip arms that don't know wrist lock from wrist watch, and what happens? It kills it. You understand? Mm-hmm. If there wasn't, if I was the only promotion running right now, because I run shows in the Maritimes, okay, I'd be making six figures. I guarantee you. Guarantee you, I would be. Unfortunately, uh, there's so many smaller promotions that run this town, this town, this town, this town, that it cuts the market, and some of them put on good shows. I'm not going to, some of them do put on good shows, but some of them put on horrible shows. It's like my dad always told me. The general public are only going to go watch wrestling once, and if it's a shit show, you won't get them back for a long, long time, if ever. You understand? Oh yeah. So, yeah. So, um, <laughs> sometimes some of those WWE shows, like the TV tapings, I'm just like, how in the fuck do they come back here and draw? Because I mean, it, you have a dark match and then it lasts four or five hours, and then it's just like the commercial breaks and the this and the that. But to me, it's like, how the hell can you kill wrestling? You know, you can't. You know what I mean? It might it might go down for a bit, but eventually it comes back up. You know, but I have to agree with Jim Cornette on this. UFC is probably the best pro wrestling promotion in the world right now. You know what I mean? Did you guys watch that? Uh, <laughs> did you guys watch that Bellator fight with Dana Five Thousand and uh, fucking Kimbo Slice? Oh yeah, <laughs> it was so bad. It was good. It was yeah, so yeah. fucking bad. It was. It was so bad. I can't wait for the next one. I I would pay to see that fucking thing. It was so bad it, to me. It was like, wow, this is like entertaining. Uh, maybe it's just me. No, I'm right there with you. Very entertaining. Yeah, it's the legends. Legends will always draw. People want to see people. People remember legends. Okay. Uh, you think if Macho Man was still alive and he would show up on Raw, that fucking people and okay, now listed for the next thirty day of house shows, Macho Man, the place wouldn't be fucking near sold out or definitely the attendance would be up to see him. Oh, absolutely. Right? You know? So, uh, but eventually, you know, if you're on TV too much, it's like, okay, you're dead because we just don't want to see you again. And a lot of those guys, that's what it is. It's like we've seen you too much. 
You know, in my opinion, Cena should have been had this the, the break that he's having now. Okay, it, first of all, it should last at least a year, at least. But that should have been done five years ago. Hmm. So, yeah. Exactly. Cena's yeah. No, you're totally right. Yeah, Cena's the type of guy. I remember my last day there. I was oh, where the fuck were we? Corpus Christi, Texas. Yeah, because I was living in Houston. I drove up there, and uh, we were talking in the locker room, and uh, I said, "Try being." Because what happened to me? My problems really started when I was taken off the road for a hernia surgery, right? And boredom set in, and paranoia, probably from all the fucking head hits and the concussions, the paranoia, the anxiety, all these symptoms that resulted for that, and I just used narcotics to fucking mask it, okay? And uh, I said, you know, you try taking eight months off. He goes, I don't know what I would do. I go try rehab. I guarantee if he would have been in that position that I was in, he would have been in a fucking rehab too. Because I know that type of, he's an OCD, obsessive compulsive workhorse, just like I was. You know, and I still am. I mean, I'm still in the gym twice a day. I'm still on my computer fucking working consistently, projects I'm doing. You know, so... As much as yeah. he is overexposed and as much as people hate on him, you can't really hate on him because uh, my experiences with him, he was a pro. And and I made the most money, okay, uh, with him. Okay? And in this business, it's a, that's what it's about. <laughs> so uh, if uh, I can get another run, six months, Cena, uh, or Roman Reigns, I'll, I'll make him fucking, you want him to be a fucking baby face? Uh, put him in there with me. I guarantee you, they'll be fucking booing me and cheering him. I guarantee you. And sorry for the rant. Am I going off too much here? No. Oh no, hell no. No, this is what we love about having you on. <laughs> oh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't get out of the house much. I'm anti-social. <laughs> I'm a loner. Uh, <laughs> but I love wrestling. You know, it's in my blood. Uh, I can talk about it for hours and hours and hours and give you my opinions. And Some people might like them, some people might not, but at least respect my honesty. You know? Absolutely. I, I bash totally myself, true. too. I admit my I admit my shortcomings. I admit my faults. I'm not perfect. You know what I mean? How am I expect you to believe anything else I say if I lie about me? You know, I did all the stupid shit that a kid does. You know, Unfortunately, I was there as a kid and did a lot of stupid shit, but people forget that, hey, you know, you were you were nineteen, twenty years old once too. You, you made mistakes, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yep. You know, um, nobody's perfect. But is that the last question? Nope. I got one last question for you. It's almost oh, a okay. little thing uh, we kind of call quick hits. It's basically I'll name you know a wrestler or a promoter or, or a guy. And you just give me one or two words that you know immediately comes to your mind when I say their name. Are you ready? Okay, go ahead. Vince McMahon. Ruthless. Shane McMahon. Lucky. Stephanie McMahon. If I was the same age as Hunter, I'd be I I I'd be the one with the kids. <laughs> uh, Sylvain Grenier. 
hated him for a long time, but uh, I should have realized that he was actually one of the best people in my life, and I regret what I did. Rob Conway. I still haven't forgiven me for hooking me up with that fucking girl in Kentucky, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Kenzo Suzuki. Oh, just a fun-loving son of a bitch. Chris Benoit. Despite what he did, he was the best wrestler in the world. Rob? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Rob Van Dam. A lot of people's I have to pass on that one. <laughs> Ray Mysterio. Love Ray. Uh, one of a kind. He's one of a kind. J.B.L. Well, I'll give you an answer that probably shock you. Very intelligent, but also very insecure person. That's why he's a bully. Bubba Ray Dudley. CJBL. <laughs> Bob Holly. Extremely talented. Made you believe wrestling was real. But an insecure, insecure individual. Paranoid. Jacques. Rougeau. Never met Jacques Rougeau. Oh, wow. Surprised. Never met him. Second generation. Uh, very, very over in Quebec to this day. Uh, and one of the smart ones. Although he's from Quebec, has a lot of heat <laughs> with a lot of people. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah. To di- yeah. All the Quebec wrestlers from WWF, for the most part, are all still alive, are all still healthy, and are all rich. Hmm. Yep. Except maybe Dino Bravo, right? He passed away. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we know why. Yeah. No, but seriously. No, seriously. Ray Rougeau was a millionaire by the time he was 30. Okay? Rick Mortel is fucking loaded. Beautiful wife. Uh, beautiful life. Uh, uh, Jacques... He's fuck. He still promotes shows to draw thousands of people. He's fucking easy. You know, his dad was a one of the best promoters in Quebec, and he's just like his dad, smart as shit. Straight up, Carl Willette, another great guy. Fucking love Carl. If Carl, yeah, oh, if Carl was was there with me when I first broke in as La Resistance, not taking away from Sly, but uh, it would have been tagged with him in England. Love Carl Willette. How about the Canadian legend himself, Brett the Hitman Hart? Um, 
a hero of mine growing up. Uh, I got to meet him in France and Ireland. He, I love the fact that he put me over. He wrote an article about me. I never got a chance to thank him about it. And here's a story. Uh, yeah, he probably doesn't know. Nobody else knows. Uh, I was down near suicide one day, and he called me up on the phone and talked me out of it. He doesn't realize it. But I was, yeah, I had a bottle of uh, bottle of pills by the nightstand ready to take them. And he talked me out of it. Yeah, he didn't know, but he did. Wow. So, yeah, thank you, Bret Hart. Uh, powerful, powerful stuff. And we'll just say one last legend of the Canadian lore, and that's Emile Dupree. Uh, hated by a lot of people, but if they knew his real life story, they'd have to admire him. Uh, and the story I just told you, uh, you could see why. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, Renee, this has been a ton of fun. I mean, again, you know, third time, it just it keeps getting better and better. We really appreciate, you know, again, like I said, the first two, the honesty, just the truth that you do like to share, and it's just it's so cool to have a no-bones-about-it kind of guest. And uh, you got two huge supporters in us, and, of course, we will continue to grow and uh, hopefully – do more of these down the road because uh, just it never it never fails to disappoint. Another three or four months, another three or four months, man. Let's do this again. You know what I mean? And I'll keep burning the bridges. <laughs> 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 well, before uh, before we let you go, just please share with everybody. You know the uh, the plugs, the Twitter. If you have any shows coming up, Facebook, whatever you want to uh, get out there, please share it with the listeners and the fans yeah. of the Renee. Yeah. Uh... Renee Dupree on Facebook, Renee with one, and please, please don't spell my first name with two E's, um, that's a girl's name, and then uh, uh, Renee Dupree on Facebook, just look for me, bleach blonde hair on the thing, boom, 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 I want to try to beat Rip Rogers uh, by the end of spring, I think he has 15,000 followers, I'm only up at uh, about 180, so please, whoever listens to this, uh, follow me so I can at least... Uh, be uh, tied with Rip by the end of spring.